Right, bro. I think, Mr. Chris, I think we're good, mate. I think we're... Uh, yeah, we are live. We are live. Oh, you, you watching this streaming as well, yeah? No, it's just come up in the top. It comes up in my top left corner. So oh, fantastic. Mate, thank you for doing this, man. No worries. No worries. I'm excited. So you were telling me before, this is the first podcast you've done for, what, 18 months now? Yeah, it's definitely before lockdown now. So I haven't been on many podcasts. I've done a few live events, but I haven't been interviewed for, it's got to be 18 months. Not like I can remember anyway. Yeah, cool. Well, I, I just got into the live events before lockdown. I put on a good good event in my local town of Stratford. And then, yeah, obviously everything kicked off with, with lockdown. And then, then I went through this phase of doing a lot of podcasts because everyone was doing them. And then it went a bit quiet. So I don't know if the same thing's happened for you, whether you just don't get invited to as, as, as many anymore or whether you've got uh, a real... Yeah, once- when the, when the switch over, because obviously I've gone from doing live events to then doing online events. And the guy that I was doing live events with wasn't really... He was online, but only on social media, you know, the Facebooks, the Instagrams. He wasn't doing any events online. So we had like a mad rush where we then decided to change all of it and put it all online. And then we did one of the first events back in May of 2020. So we managed to turn around and we, um, we did a live event to, I think we had 12 different countries on this event. So it was all right, to be fair. And then we did, a, we did that once a month for about three or four months. And then we're all allowed back out, as they say. And yep. then lockdown came and again back in November, December last year. And then we just sort of, right, let's leave it now, see how long this is going to go on for, not realising that a year later, we're still going to be going through the same. I know. It's crazy, right? Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I mean, I like I like, I like, like doing the, these kind of gigs, but there's something about like proper live in-person events where mm-hmm. the energy and you're around people is it's pretty unbeatable, right? Yeah, 100%. Can't, you can't yeah. be being on stage when there's people in front of you and the atmosphere and the vibe is so much more different. Like, don't get me wrong, some of the online events that we've done, we've had some really, really good like transformations, but it's just not the same for me, I don't think. No, so what is it that you do when you're, when you're talking about events then, Chris? So what? So I've, been, I've been working with a guy now for around about four years. He's a mentor of mine. He's actually a speaker in the industry. He's been in the industry for 25 years. I sort of um, line myself up for a really a really good job he's become my mentor which then accessed me to like his his audience and he does spiritual psychology so anything to do from your beliefs of how you're feeling and how you can change your mindset how like meditation can get involved all the things regarding um, spiritual is what he promotes and the results that he gets are pretty fantastic to be fair okay cool and this is the path that you're choosing to go down now like the spiritual yeah. work and and because i was on your instagram earlier obviously kind of checking you out a little bit and um you know kind of seeing what what you're up to and stuff and yeah i noticed that there was something that stood out to me it was like four years well it's over four years now yeah, that yeah. you've been drug free so i'm guessing like most people like myself something probably happened at some point didn't yeah. go down too well and it's forced you to change the way that you live your life yeah 100 percent. so yeah can you tell us more about that then dude like so- Back in like when I when I was I'll go back to when I was about eight, nine, ten years old, I used to get bullied at school. And back then I was even having thoughts of like how how I could end my life because of the bullying. Which I used to think that means you're suicidal. If you've got suicidal thoughts, I automatically thought, well, you're suicidal. But then now I've learned more about the mind and the psychology behind it. Thoughts. Like how in tuned are you to your thoughts? How aware are you to have your thoughts? Like, I'm sure that we've all drove down the road before and thought, you know what? I'm having a tough time. I could just end it now. 
which to me doesn't mean you're suicidal. It means you're very aware of your thoughts is when they become thick and fast and not that they're all day. And then you try and take action on them thoughts. This is when we go from being aware of our thoughts to actually in a suicidal position where we're thinking about it or we're thinking how to do it. So when I used to work for BMW, I was a mechanic for 17 years. I was always thought to myself, something isn't right. You know, when you think, yeah, I'm happy in my job, I'm earning money, but I just thought, you know, am I just getting by? You know, then you hit the age of like 30 years old and you think to yourself, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? And going back to when I was about 21, I was in the party scene. I was out all the time. I was drinking and it was only like twice a week and it become three times a week. Then as you do, you start going out every single night and there was no drugs involved or nothing like that. It was just pure drinking. And then sometimes the drugs come in like recreational, you know, where you have it now and again, special occasions people used to say to me. And then I started getting myself in situations because of the drugs and the drink, you know, when you make really bad decisions, you end up going to parties that you wouldn't normally go to. And I started to get like depressed off it. And I got really anxious and I was getting myself worked up. So what I was doing is I was falling into a depressive state where not due to the drugs, I was normally feeling good. And then I'd just feel down for no reason. And then I'd feel like really down. And I'm quite an upbeat guy, you know. I always think to myself, if your mind can get you into that state, your mind can get you out of it. But my mind got me in a state of where I could never see the good in life. Everything was grey. Everything was dark. It doesn't matter what I was doing. I could be having loads of fun with my family. And I'd always think to myself, yeah, but there's something better out there. You're not very happy. And everyone say, you're right. But like, yeah, I'm cool. Like, I used to be called Smiler. People used to say to me, you're always smiling. But deep down, I wasn't smiling. Deep down, I was having these suicidal thoughts. And it was back in 2016 when it all became apparent to me, when I was going out all the time. I was doing it for the wrong reasons. There was no enjoyment in it anymore. It was like I wasn't enjoying myself. It was I was going out because I had to go out. I had to feel something other than the sober life, you know. I was there was no high in life for me unless I was drinking, taking drugs, doing things I shouldn't be doing, getting going to parties on like a Tuesday night, you know, staying out all night. Still still attending work because I believed that if you get yourself in that situation, you get yourself out. So if you're hungover, don't wake up and say you can't go to work, get up go to work do you know what I mean but for me it was more it was more deeper in me from like back in the day when I was a kid so when I was getting bullied all this stuff started coming up am I not good enough does, does no one like me well no one like me if I don't do drugs well no one like me if I don't drink what happens if I just decide to stop all of this well I have no friends and so I believed I have to do this I have to stay in this lifestyle to be liked and I can guarantee that there's people watching now if there's people uh, listening to this after We've all had the thoughts where we, we believe we're not good enough. Whether it's I'm not smart enough, whether it's I'm not healthy enough, whether it's I'm not skinny enough, whether I'm not big enough, you know, all these thoughts go through our mind every single day. And I just thought it was normal. I thought that voice inside our head that everybody has, I just thought it was normal. And the way you speak to yourself, even though you speak ill of yourself, I just thought, well, everybody probably does this. So I'm not like abnormal. But then they were get then it was getting really bad where it was like, why don't you take your own life? And I always talk about them. Because I heard voices in my head that, and they were telling me to come with us. They were saying, like, why, don't you, why don't you end your life and all the pain that you feel when you're not out drinking, when you are in just a normal state of mind, that's, that will end. That pain that you feel will end. So come with us. And I used to think, who are they? Who are they? Like, what's, what's this voice inside my head? And it carried on and carried on. And I got myself in a situation with, um, where I had no control of it. So I was, I, was in, I was in a situation, I had no control of it. I had to literally ride it out, but I couldn't. 
So what I did is instead of trying to ride out and speaking to people, I just buried my head and then just went out every single night. And I'm talking, when I was going out, it wasn't just I was having one or two pints. I was going out like it was a Saturday night every single night, you know, and it was, and I couldn't understand how to get out of this habit because we all know that going out, having a beer every Friday, whether you have a beer every single night, whether you have a beer every Friday, everything is within habits. We're creatures of habit. We will do the same thing over and over again. And some people will expect different results. And if you expect a different result from doing the same thing over and over again, you're never going to get it. And that's what can send you then insane. That's what you start overthinking yourself. And so for me, it was all about, well, just keep doing what you're doing. No one has to know how you really feel. You believe this is the way life is. So just keep doing it. And that went on for 18 months. And in those 18 months, I was what I'd say the worst I've ever been. So 2016, 2017 for me was probably the worst time of my life where all I was thinking about is just kill yourself, just just to take your own life. And obviously, if there's anybody watching now, and this is a trigger point for anybody, because I'm probably going to talk about suicide, I'm probably going to talk about drug abuse and all this sort of stuff. If anyone's feeling this way and thinks they're in the same situation, please reach out. As much as you believe you're on your own, you're not on your own. You know, the one thing I did was reach out and speak to somebody. It was the best thing I've ever done in my life because it's the first step. So I just want to put out there that this might cause some triggers for a few people. And I don't want anyone to sit there holding their phone, watching their phone, thinking I'm on my own. I want to take my own life because it's not a permanent decision is not the way out. It's 100 percent not the way out. So for me, it was about. How, where do you start? Like, where do you start to change your life? How do you stop these thoughts that you have every single day? Because they say that you have between 60 to 90,000 thoughts every 24 hours, right? And how many people are aware of them thoughts? I was never aware of them. I just, just knew what I had, but I just saw, uh, you know, I'm not really, not very aware of them. I'm aware of the negative ones. I wasn't really aware of like the positives in my life. I wasn't aware of like gratitude and things like that. So, and mine were like every day. I had the same thoughts every single day. So there's a lot of people here that will probably relate to having the same thoughts every single day. And they're thinking to themselves, well, how do I stop them? How do I slow them down? And I always use this example that back in the day when we were at school, right, you'd always have a globe in your classroom, wouldn't you? Can you imagine spinning that globe as fast as you can and then trying to read the countries while it's spinning? You've got absolutely no chance, right? And that is how I explain how my thoughts were going through my mind. And eventually when they'd slow down, I'd always choose the dark thoughts, the dark thoughts of take your own life. You've got no friends. Nobody likes you. You can't be loved. You've made so many mistakes in life. It's your own fault. You've got yourself here. So, and when I started doing things like that, I used to think, well, this is worrying me. And then lo and behold, the pain got too much. And I did try, I did attempt to take my own life. I thought about it. I Googled how was the quickest way to take my own life. I Googled about what tablets would take, what tablets should I take, and all along this. Because when when you're growing up, you might relate to this. When you're growing up, as a guy, we're told not to cry. As a guy, we're told to like man up, get on with it, you know? And even though when I was younger, I didn't realise it, I never knew the impact that that would have when I was older. I never knew how it would impact me as a teenager, late teens, early 20s of being told, you know, man up. Just get over it. You'll be sound. Fix up. You know, you can't You can't be this person. You're a man. You're supposed to provide. You're supposed to support. You're supposed to be held accountable because I'm not taking anything away from women. Not at all. But I'm going to speak a lot more about men because I am a man. And I believe that if you look at the stats, 
more men take their own life than women. Even though more women attempt to take their life, they they use ways that are a lot less harmful as in, you know, they'll try and take an overdose. That means it can be reversed where men are quite abrupt and aggressive where they'll either take a rope, they'll use a weapon and all these sort of things and we'll go and jump in front of things. So if you actually look at the stats of men and women, a lot more men do it, but a lot more women try. So for me, it was like, where do you start? What do you do? And I had no idea. Who do you speak to? Like the friends I was hanging around with, I love them all. Always will love them all. But they're not the sort of people that I can go up and say, look, the thoughts I'm having are a bit dark. I don't really know how to stop them. I used to Google it. How do I stop? How, how do I be happy? How do I stop dark thoughts? And when I'm not the best on Google, if it's not in the first top three, I just don't want to know. And I used to think to myself, well, these, I'm not getting the answers. I'm not getting any answers that I want. What am I chasing? But I couldn't stop it. So then what I do is I think, well, you know what? I'll go back to what I know. And what did I know? Getting drunk, getting high, going out. Because in that moment, I wasn't thinking about anything other than the party on that day. But the more and more you get into that circle of life, it's so unhealthy for you. Like, I don't judge anyone for doing what they want to do. I'm not here to preach and say, oh, don't do drugs, don't do this, because bottom line is people can do whatever they want. I'm here to give my experience so they make a different choice. They might listen to my story and say, actually, you know what, I listened to this guy and he spoke about his story and I don't want to do that, so you know what, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to do this. And that's all I'm trying to do is promote from my experiences just to give other people an option that they might not know they've got. So I think I think this next bit is important because I think that this is this is a critical point. So when you say you reached out at that that time where you needed it, did you go down the professional route or did you pick someone that was close to you? So I never. The very first time that I heard about personal development or anything, it was more of a it was more of an off chance. I remember it to this day because I was a mechanic, so I always had a bad back. And I stick with the story right now because you're probably thinking, how is this going to come around? I had a bad back, so I was going to see a chiropractor. And the chiropractor said to me one day, she said, you're always smiling like you're happy, but your body's telling me different. I said, what do you mean? She said, you're so tense, like you're stressed. And in that moment, I felt myself with that frog in my throat, like I was going to well up. And I was like, whoa, where's this? What's going on here? And she said, are you okay? And I went, yeah, I'm fine. You know, as we do, we quickly shut off. Yeah, I'm fine. Let's do it. Oh yeah, the weather's really good. Or yeah, what you got? On, what you got planned for the weekend? And then she said again, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah I'm fine. I'm fine. She said, okay, I've asked you a couple of times have you ever heard of a guy called Tony Robbins? And I was like, no, never. Don't know what you're on about. He's into personal development. At this time, I did not know what personal development was. I didn't know what it meant by going to a workshop because I was a car mechanic. A workshop to me was where you took your car to get fixed, right? And so I went home, carried on drinking, carried on taking drugs. And then one night I remember I was high and I thought, who's this Tony Robbins? You know, she put the seed in my mind. And then it just grew and grew. And I saw Googled Tony Robbins. Actually, I went on YouTube, sorry. And I typed in Tony Robbins and I watched one of his videos. It was called Daily Disciplines. And I watched it and it was about, it was only about eight or nine minutes long, but literally within the first 30 seconds, I thought that guy was talking to me. I was like, how does he know exactly what I'm going through? Because everything he was saying, I could just relate it to my life. So I sat there and I was, and I was literally engrossed for eight or nine minutes. And I was like, wow. And I thought maybe I should listen to this guy a bit more. So then I used to drive 30 minutes to work every morning. So I used to put on a different video every morning and it used to make me feel better. So in that moment, I started to feel better. Like, you know, all the all the serotonin and that was, was being produced in my mind because I was feeling grateful about what was driving along. I was actually looking up thinking, 
you know, I can see the trees. I can see how many different colours of green there are. That's how much I was like more aware of my surroundings. And even though I was doing that, I thought to myself, well, I'll just listen to these videos and I can still do what I'm doing. I can still go out, still party. I can listen to these videos and it'll be all right. But that lasted for, what, a week, two weeks. And then I was feeling depressed again. I was feeling down in the dumps. I was just feeling like I didn't want to carry on. So I come home one night and I was like, what, what can I do? Like, what, what do you do? And just as my phone flashed up, it was a news app. And I never watched the news on my phone, right? But it was quite local to my area. It was someone in Coventry. So I clicked on it and I was reading it. As I read it, this advert flashed up and it was Tony Robbins' workshop free. And I was like, what? I'm gonna, I can meet this guy for free. That's what I thought. I thought I can meet this guy for free. But I had social anxiety at the time. Even though I was going out all the time, you'd never see me go out without having beer first. I could never go out sober and walk into a pub because I'd always think, what are people thinking about me? What are they looking at me? Why are they speaking about me? And all this sort of stuff. So I thought, how I can't go to one of these workshops drunk. I can't go to one of these high. So how am I going to get there? Anyway, so I filled it all out. Lo and behold, in August 2017, the workshop arrived. It was in Birmingham. And I thought, right, I'll go there. So I drove over there, got to the front. I was like a kid on his first day at school. I had a backpack, notepad. I was ready to learn everything, thinking I was going to meet Tony Robbins. As I got there, I seen there was about 300 people there. And I was like, I ain't going there. No chance. And I made a phone call. And the girl I was with at the time, I made a phone call. I said, look, I can't do it. I can't walk through these doors. And she said, look, I'm so proud of you that you're even there. And that moment, that little sentence, gave me the courage to walk through them doors. And this is where I met the speaker come on stage and I thought it was Tony Robbins. As they walked up, it wasn't Tony Robbins. And this guy was to their talk and he said, oh, look, I bet you thought you were going to meet Tony Robbins. And I'm sat there thinking, well, yeah. And he said, no, nah, he's not here. He sent me. And I was a bit like, great crack. You know, I've been blagged. So this guy started telling his story and his story related to mine in so many ways. Literally with the drugs, with the drinking, with how he was feeling, how he was feeling suicidal and all of this. And I was thinking, right, I need to talk to that guy. But in that moment, I sat, on that, I sat on that seat and I was thinking all the stuff that I've been through at 18 months, minimum of 18 months, I was always thinking I don't want anybody to feel the way I feel. If I can help anyone not feel this way, I would, because the way I felt was horrific. But I didn't know how to get out of it. So I thought, well, how can I help someone if I can't get out of it myself? So I sat around and waited for this guy for two hours. And he'd come off stage and... If you've been to live events, you'll be very aware that a lot of people ask for photos, a lot of people ask to speak to him. So he had like a long queue of people and I wanted to be the last person. So I got on the queue, I'd wait, the people come behind me, I'd get to the back of the queue and I'd keep doing that for two hours. And I remember him looking at me thinking, what's this guy all about? Why is he getting in the queue, then getting out of the queue, then getting in the queue? And he must have thought, what the fuck is going on here? Do you know what I mean? And um, I was the last person in the room and I turned around to him and I said, Everything that I've been through, trying to attempt to take my life from sitting on a multi-story car park, level 11, over the edge, from putting a rope around my neck, from doing all these things, from Googling everything about how to kill myself without none of my family knowing, I told him my whole life story in about three minutes. Literally, it was like verbal diarrhea. And I remember his face, he looked at me as if to say, like, you know, when all these words just hit him, and he was like, uh, yeah, I want to help you. And in that moment, that was when I thought, I've really spoke about everything though. No one ever knows. No one ever knows. And that was my first initial call for help. And it was to a, a speaker that I watched on stage. And to this day, he's the guy that become my mentor. He's the guy that I work with. And 
I'd say that he's completely changed my mindset, but I know it's me because I've put the work in, but I know in that moment, he said that I'd like to help you, which was the perfect words that I needed to hear. But I never knew that if I'd have said that to anyone in my family, anyone of my friends since then, they've all said the same. I thought it had to be a stranger, somebody that didn't know me, you know, because I put my family through a lot of distressed by going missing for days you know saying I was coming home and I wouldn't come home I could only imagine what my parents went through because I was living at their house with me just disappearing going out at four o'clock in the morning not coming back for two days then coming back to go to work then going to work then coming going straight out and they must have been going through hell and I never knew how to speak to them I never knew how to say I need some help yeah man I think there'll be a lot of guys Middle-aged guys, especially listening to this, kind of being able to relate because booze is booze and drugs are such a common a common trend, aren't they? When we're talking about depression, struggle, and anxiety, booze is usually there. When we're talking about making the worst decisions of your life, usually booze has a role to play. So, is this something that you've stopped doing as well now, Chris? As well yeah. as the drugs? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're for, me, so for me, I just I decided to stop the drugs in August 2017 because the paranoia and everything that come with it, it wasn't worth it. You know, one night out going out with my friends on a Friday, because all my friends used to go out like on a Friday, half of them, and then half of them would go out on a Saturday, maybe half of them, would, uh, the rest of them would go out on a Sunday afternoon, let's say. Whereas I'd go out Friday, Saturday and Sunday with all different groups. So they'd only think I've been out for like one day of the weekend until the next weekend they'd find out, well, hold on, you were out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And it's so easy to, to finish work if you've had a bad day and go, oh, you know what, I'll crack open a beer. I'll have one, I'll have two. And then before you know it, you're having four pack and you're having an eight pack. And before you know it, you're like, actually, I want a bit of atmosphere. So I'm probably going to go to the pub and have these beers. And I believe that it's so, it's it's just, uh, I wouldn't say we're conditioned to do that, but because obviously alcohol is free and it's not illegal, it's just easy to go to a pub and go, you know what? No one will ask me about my day. They'll ask how your day yeah, it has been quite a shit. Or if they ask, then it'll be a very simple question because I believe guys are quite simple and to the point. How's your day today? Yeah, it was shit. Okay, cool. Let's have a few beers. And there's always that mate. I used to be that mate that go, you know what? Don't worry about it. Let's just have a few beers and forget about it. Let's just suppress and bury them emotions and all them troubles, thinking that they'll go away tomorrow because tomorrow you're going to be hungover. The next day, you're probably going to be about 80% all right. And by the time you're feeling good again, you'll have forgot about them. There'll be something else to worry about, right? So we'd always just go, we just put them in that cupboard or just sweep them under that mat. And then for me, the mat just got that big that I was tripping up it every single day. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I think mid-30s, it's like you've been on the planet long enough, haven't you, to do some damage. So you start to develop this thing called a conscience, don't you? You start to kind of seal yeah. the shit left behind, especially when you start to fix yourself a bit. You know, I found that probably the hardest transition for me. It's like, wrong. I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to sort my stuff out. But like you realise... Yeah, I've put my parents through shit, yeah. mistreated people. So yeah, when you when you make that change, you have all that shit to to deal with. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's like I've been sober now for it four years in March off the alcohol, and it was four years in August just gone from the drugs because I thought to myself after the drugs, I thought, well, I could still drink, but if anybody's ever taken drugs when they've been drinking to then come off the drugs and carry on drinking, you still drink like you're on drugs. So I was lashing the beers down and thinking, yeah, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. And I just turned into an absolute dick. Do you know when? Because you're getting really, really drunk really, really quickly. You're not really remembering what you're doing. And it was because of the work I was doing, 
within personal development. And like when I say personal development, all I was doing was investing in myself. I was thinking, right, let's read some books. Let's, I remember, you know, Victor Frankl, when he's a man, men, men's search for meaning, that book, I read that and I thought, you know what, this guy's been through a lot. How can he get through that with just his mindset? But I can't get through what I'm getting through with my mindset. And then, you know, there was, I had another book, Ask and It Was Given. I had the Tony Robbins and Lisa Powell in. I was, I was feeding myself with all this information to better myself. And then that's when I started believing that we have unhealthy and healthy habits. And all of my habits in my life were unhealthy. Don't get me wrong, when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you like going out. You like getting drunk. You like partying. When you start getting a bit older and you've been doing it for like 10 years straight, it's like it's actually becoming more unhealthy now. And like you say, you get yourself a missus, you're buying your house, you may be having children. And in 10 years' time, if you don't change what you're doing now, are you going to miss out on their birthdays? Are you going to miss out on holidays or going to the park, playing football? Because you've been so unhealthy for so many years, what is it doing to you physically? as well as mentally, because we always talk about physical, right? If you're ill, you go to the doctors. If you're not feeling too good, you'll rest. We never, ever, ever promote or speak about how we're feeling mentally. Blokes especially, they'll just go, that's nah, cool. How you doing? I'm fine. How many blokes have sat in their car on their way home from work and maybe sat on their drive and sat there thinking, I just can't do it. I just cannot do this no more. And their wife, their partner, if they've got one, their parents, their loved ones around them, I've no idea that they are sat in a car, bawling their eyes out. And I'm sure it's the same for women. How many people are doing this? Whereas if they had a safe space, if they had a safe place just to go and say, you know what, I'm going to be unjudged right now. I want to come here and say, I've had the worst week. I've thought about this. My emotions are high. Because as a guy yourself, will we ever taught anything to do with our emotions? Even women, women are very in touch with their emotions. But as younger generations, I don't remember ever being in school being explained to about the emotions like when you feel angry what is it you do most of the time when most people feel angry they lash out or they go and do something they don't want to do it's because they can't they can't understand and they can't come to terms with the rush of emotion that they're feeling in that moment so they have to go quickly drink or quickly that most blokes ended up in a fight or most blokes have ended up arguing why because they don't know how to handle that emotion yeah, I'm still on the, the the fence about like. Of course, like you, look, we've got to talk, right? We've got to we've got to get yeah, course, we've got yeah. to learn. But I think there's a big skill to be um, taught about listening as well. Yeah. You know, when you when you get things off your chest, like who you say that to and what they say can determine where you go. So, for example, you you know you spilled your guts out to this guy. He said, "I want to help you." That's what you needed to hear at the time. Like if you just spilled your guts out to someone and they've been like, "Oh mate, you'll be okay. Don't, don't worry yeah. about it. You know, you'll get through it." Kind of thing. It might have altered where you'd gone. So I think who speaks to is important. But yeah, like learning how to listen as well without just because often we tell people what we think they want to hear, right? And it, especially if you love someone, if someone loves you and you love them and they tell you all this shit that they're feeling, you just want to reassure them and tell them that everything's going to be okay. And sometimes that's not always the right answer because. Clearly, like if you hadn't stopped drinking, if you hadn't stopped doing drugs, things probably wouldn't have been okay. Yeah, I'd probably be in the same boat now. Um, and I totally agree with what you're saying. When you say about listening as well, so a lot of people would say, well, I'll listen. And it's all about consciously listening, right? It's about listening not to reply. And when I say that to some people, they're like, what do you mean? I say, well, sometimes you can have a conversation and you'll see people like they'll be like edging closer because they want to tell you their part of the conversation before you've finished yours. So 
as soon as they want to give their opinions, their views on your conversation, are they listening to what you're saying or are they more focused on what they want to say? And to consciously listen, I found that very difficult at the start because people would speak to me and I'd be like, I'd want to give them my experience. But then to sit back and go, actually, you know what, I'm just going to let them speak, completely speak and be completely present in that moment to understand what they're saying to me. Because even though people sometimes speak, they don't say how they really feel. It's all about their body language, it's all about the vibe. It's all about watching like their facial expressions when they're speaking. Because how many times have you heard someone say, yeah, I'm okay? And if you're not in tune to yourself or your own emotions, you won't know by looking at them whether they really are. You can just go, yeah, no problem, then sound and pat them on the back. And like you say, that can that can lead them into a complete different road on life than if somebody's consciously listening and they say, actually, yeah, I'm going to help you. Like I, it could be classed as lucky. I was lucky enough to have somebody say, yeah, or it's the fact that I was in the right place. So hopefully with like the podcast that we're doing, with exactly the work that we do it's about knowing that if someone feels that way they could drop us a dm and we'll read that understand that and we'll actually come from a place of like empathy and not sympathy to go you know i can relate to their story because it's under to relate to someone's story you've got to put yourself in their shoes and we can't ever put ourselves in someone's shoes 100 because we've never walked their shoes you know that's why if we're very left i know people say you shouldn't judge but we all have a we all have that um, habit of judging people, whether you can catch it quickly that you don't judge, but we all judge. And with being less judgmental and understanding their journey and being empathy, uh, giving them empathy, then I believe that can push somebody through their dark times or their emotions that are then not understanding in that moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's hard for a guy or well, for anyone to know how they feel sometimes, especially if you get fucked up on booze a lot of the time. Because, like, you're on, like, say you're on this high, so you feel good. Yeah. Then you're on this downer. And then through the week, you'll experience all sorts of different feelings and emotions. So, the only kind of thing that's worked for me is by kind of quieting the noise a little bit, you know, like little practices, quiet times, less social media you know, less busy times and you start to become a little bit more aware, don't you? A little bit more in tune. And yeah, when you're boozing all the time, you, you never really get the opportunity to have a look at what, what's going on. So I don't know how you, like obviously like when you gave the booze up, like you needed to fill that gap. And I've yeah. seen on your Instagram, you, you, you're now into hiking and you did that crazy fucking David Goggins challenge, you know, where you run all that. So did you, did you jump straight into something else, Chris, or did you have a bit of reflection time and just think, right, I'm going to sort my life out. So for me, it was when I when I gave up the drugs, I said to, I said to my friends because I had a month off. When I gave the drugs off, I gave the drink up as well. I said, well, I'm, I said to my one of my best friends, I said, look, I'm going to disappear for a month. I said, there's nothing to worry about. I just need to just to get myself find out who I really am. And they were quite understanding. They were like, yeah. They, and I said, look, you don't have to check in on me. You know, the typical. I'm not coming out tonight. And for me, it was about because this is quite a big statement that I'm going to say, and and I believe that everybody has addiction within them. Everyone whether it's coffee, whether it's fruit machines, whether it's anything unhealthy, or even when you can have healthy addictions, you know, people can go to the gym and if they don't go to the gym, then they start to lose their mind, you know. So I believe from a very early age, even from when we're born, addictions within us, because if when you're born, you get the love from your mother or you, whoever's in your life, your loved one in that moment, you get that love and it may, it'll make you feel amazing. When you don't get that love, you start feeling hurt and you start feeling empty. So then you crave it more. So as you get older and older in life, you start filling your life with things that you enjoy doing. If you enjoy something that much, you'll keep doing it and keep doing it. If I said to you now, right, 
whatever you enjoy doing right now, stop doing it for a week. Could you manage it? And if someone said no, then ask the question, are you addicted to it? Most people say, well, no, I'm not addicted to it. Because when you say the word addict, most people always have a negative spin on it where they think of needles. They think of somebody that's um, addicted to heroin or something like that, right? So I believe we've all got addictions within us. So for me, it was about, well, I know I've got an addictive, addictive personality. I know when I'm drinking, I like to go all in. I'm all in or all out. So I jumped onto personal development and that became my new addiction. Not too much where I was staying awake late at night. I wasn't getting enough sleep. It was just every time I thought about a drink, every time I thought about going out and having, having gear and all that sort of stuff, I'd go, right now, pick a book up, spend the next 10 minutes reading. And that's how I did because I interrupted it. I believe if you interrupt that process with a new outcome, the outcome is going to be different to if you make that choice. So for me, it was about before the hiking, before all the health come in, because realistically, that's only coming in the last 12 months. For the first 18 months to two years of being on the journey of personal development, I would go to events, I would read books, I would write down in diaries exactly how I was feeling and all of this, where that's how I got through the initial stopping of the drugs and the drink. Because even with the depression, I managed to get myself out of depression. Don't get me wrong, I still live with depression. I still have depressive thoughts. I can still fall into a depressive episode, but it's not 90% of my life anymore. Where it was 90% of my life, nearly 100% of my life, I was feeling depressed. Whereas I managed to get myself out of that without taking any antidepressants. And I don't say that because I think pills are wrong. I say that because I had, I had a stubborn head. I had a stubborn mind where I was going, you got yourself in this, get yourself out of it. And if people need to take tablets to, to give them the serotonin boost and things like that, you do what you've got to do to get yourself out of that position where you're in. So for me, it was like the work, do the work, learn about the mindset, learn about what's going on in your head, learn about your habits, learn about your emotions. And it's been a rough ride. For the last two or three years, for me, at the desk where I'm sat right now, I've sat here and I've been angry, I've cried. And some days I'm crying and I've no fucking idea why I'm crying right I could watch someone on the telly and all of a sudden I'm feeling really overwhelmed and I'm feeling really upset and I'm like what's going on but in that moment what I do is I think right what's happening what are you thinking about where is it in your body what do your hands feel like what's your heart feel like what's your breathing like and I start being in tune of every emotion that I felt so then I could learn when I was in it not to lash out because don't get me wrong I'm not no angel I still have days where I feel angry and I'm, I could tell people to fuck off or I could do stuff like that you know what I mean and that's not because I'm an absolute bad bloke it's because in that moment it's just got hold of me and I haven't caught it to stop it and I've just lashed out I'm not violent I just sometimes I've got a bit of a mouth on me where like, I like to have a bit of an argument like we all do right but five years ago I didn't know nothing about that. I would have been that little terror that thought he was a big man and all that sort of stuff and gobbed off and give it loads and got myself in situations because the emotions just come up. They showed up and I was like, oh, I don't know how this happens. Bang. So I just project my pain onto someone else. I literally just say, fuck that. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. So I'm going to pick out something wrong with someone else. You know what I mean? And try and swerve it. Yeah, but I think that's good to accept that because, again, a lot of people jump into meditation and they, they will assume that they're not going to lose their shit anymore. And I'm like, no, 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 it's, <laughs> it doesn't work like that, man. Like, you're still going to lose your shit. Like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's I think it's correcting earlier than, you know, you get better, don't you, like noticing it. And then if you do fuck up, you hold your hands up, you move on quicker. And Because, yeah, these things are going to happen. So I think that's an important part of the journey. We're certainly not aiming for perfection. So, yeah, like... How, where do you think we start then? Because look, there's a, there's a lot of guys out there that I say there's more guys out there struggling now than ever. Like I look round and like 
again, trying to be um, non-judgmental here, but there's a lot of people out of shape. A lot of people are drinking heavily. You know, there's a lot of unhappy, uh, and we'll, we'll stick with guys here. There's a lot of unhappy guys out there. Where the fuck do we even like start to try and make a difference to this this this, this yeah. whole thing that's going on? So, since lockdown come in, I complete I completely relate to people picking up the drink because say if you've been laid off from work or you're working from home, your office is here, your sofa and Netflix are there. And a lot of people are like, you know, I'll just have a drink. And then obviously when all the pubs closed, a lot of people were drinking at home. Obviously your home portions of drink were going to be a lot better than what you'd ever get outside. So this is where I believe a lot of people have become unhealthier because they haven't got the active lifestyle that we did before lockdown. So for me, it was like, well, how can I help other guys and girls, but like you say, we'll talk about guys right now. How can I help other guys into getting out, having fun by putting down the unhealthy, the smoking, like, you know, the smoking, the drinking, the taking drugs and all this sort of stuff. So I was thinking, what can I do? So I started to arrange like a walk and I was like, blokes can come on a walk. You don't have to speak. It's not one of these where you have to come there and you've got to talk about how, de- how depressed you are or how shitty life is and all of this, or you haven't got to listen to other people doing that. It's just a, a walk where a load of guys are going to meet up. We'd go and do a five mile walk around the lake. If it makes you feel better, come for the next week. If it doesn't make you feel better and you're not into it, don't. But then I was thinking, right, how can I put stuff online? So I even looked at starting Zoom calls, but getting people onto Zoom calls on like a Sunday evening just to have a laugh, just to talk, just to generally have like a an online chat where we could all just come in and say, hey, doing as your week going? Yeah, this will be good. It become very difficult. So for me, it was trying to put out there what were most guys into like i would love to be able to like i'll climb up mountains now if anyone messaged me if i had anyone on instagram or because i'm not on facebook at the minute but if anyone's on instagram they send me a message saying look i'd love to climb a mountain it's one of my goals i'd meet them regardless of where they are who they are i'd obviously say what's your fitness like i'd get my I'd, because i've done it a few times i'd love to get you to the top and if that's a way where we can get guys to open up because it's it takes a guy a lot longer to open up because it's they don't believe they can trust people you know for a guy to be vulnerable it's really vulnerable you know like and this is no taking anything away from women here right because it's the same for women when they're vulnerable they're vulnerable but women seem to have a lot deeper com i did seem to have a lot deeper conversations than us guys we'd all just talk about what's going on at the minute we'd never really talk if you went up to your mates and said look lads i'm feeling really upset i'm feeling really emotional like you said earlier some of them wouldn't know what to say back to you or someone would just go oh you're fucking all right don't worry about it here's a beer Whereas if you're in a surrounding an atmosphere where there's a guy talking about how he feels and how much the way he feels has changed his life, then that would encourage people to do so. Because I believe courage, me having the courage to say I'm vulnerable and say, look, I'm going to share some of you who's very vulnerable right now and owning exactly who I am will then give the inspiration to another guy. It might take him a couple of times to hear it or it might take him a couple of people to hear it, but then he'd go, actually, you know what? I can relate to what you're saying. And then that in that moment, that first initial speech, I don't know, walk, whatever you're doing at that time, for other guys, it will be massive for that guy because as soon as he spoke out, like, you know when people say it's a, a problem shared is a problem halved, right? I never really liked that saying when I was growing up. I always think it was a load of bollocks. But actually, when you actually look into it and think, you can come and speak to me about your problems. I'm not going to tell you I've got the solution on how to fix your problems, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand side by side with you and say you're not on your own. You're not on your own, and whatever you want to do, unless it's something completely ridiculous, and I say, look, you don't want to do that, you're going to get yourself in trouble, I will do my best to help you. And if I've been for a similar experience, I can tell you the steps that I took 
to get out of that darkness because I believed I lived in a dark world. Like I imagine myself living in this dark forest for ages and I never knew how to get out. I felt like I was just walking around in circles. It was complete pitch black and no one really understood what I was going through. But now I've seen other guys and they've, and I've joined them and said, you know, let's walk out together. So for me, it's about finding the right guys to speak to and being on the good thing about this day and age is we have smartphones that you can basically connect with anybody in the world, right? As long as you're looking in the right places. If someone messaged you and wanted some advice, you've got a phone book full of people. It's exactly like I have. If someone lives in Scotland and I live in England and they said, look, I'm really struggling with mental health, I could guarantee that between the people that we all know, you'd be able to find some sort of person or some sort of group gathering where they could go and feel safe. Because as much as women love to feel safe and when they feel safe they're they're at their not at their most beautifulest if that makes if that's a real word and um and this is the same with guys if a guy is in a safe place and he knows he's safe and he can and, and it's to do with trust and open up i believe that's where the key is to get us all moving forward and then we can change generations because if we could get middle-aged men now and like say the 20s to 30s male generation talking about their emotions they're going to go and speak to their kids, their nephews, who are younger. And if we can get into like five, because let's be honest, you're probably not really going to understand it to you, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, let's just take them for instance. If we can teach them about emotions, I think about when they're 20 years old, they're going to be so in tuned that we can actually try and skip a generation of going through this absolute bullshit that blokes aren't supposed to feel emotions, they just need to man up. And it can completely change the world, I believe. Mate, I'm with you. I mean, firstly, the mountains is something we do a lot of. So we did Scarfell a couple of weeks ago. We did Snowden a few months back. We've got Nevis coming up. Personally, I found that really therapeutic. And when I was dealing with my own stuff, I'd go off to the mountains on my own. It was amazing. Like Things just seemed to dissolve. Depression just seemed to fuck off somewhere else. Worries, they just went away when you're out in the fresh air on the mountain. Started introducing the guys to... To that which was amazing but yeah i think you're right but i think it all starts with personal responsibility here doesn't it because if we're going to teach other people things if we're going to be the guys that like you know our generation are going to be the guys that are the, the better parents and you know teach that we, we've got to start with ourselves and i think that's the concern that like most people aren't willing to do the work because it is hard work you've referred to it it's very painful um it's it's dedication it's commitment it's a lifestyle it hurts like you have to change your life um yeah, I think if anything's going to change in the future, it's going to start with every guy looking at himself. Um, and I don't know how we, I don't know how we enforce or encourage. I don't know how we convince the guy to turn off the TV and get outside because you can get away with it and it's easier. So I don't yeah. know how you encourage someone to not do the easy thing. Yeah. So my my advice, if anyone's going through the same situation, where I used to believe that. I used to ask myself this question. It was, what does happiness mean to you? And everyone's happiness is completely different. Whether you want to be financially free, whether you just want a child to call you dad, you want to sit around your family dinner in the evenings, everybody's happiness is different. But then I thought to myself, happiness, am I chasing happiness? And I was, I was chasing happiness like destination, destination. And I was thinking, so what am I really chasing? And I now ask this question, what, what does it feel like to be content? And I believe not a lot of people, like if I said to myself, What's going to make you content? I never knew the answer. I never knew what it was. So I was literally, imagine you've got a boat in the ocean and there's, there's no destination. 
and your boat's just floating around the ocean, it's got nowhere to go. You're never going to get there. Whereas if you can understand what does contentment mean to you, like what is going to make you content where you feel it, not just say it, because you can say, yeah, well, to be content, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. When you feel content, if you come back at the end of your work shift, you finish work at five and you get home half five, six o'clock, you have dinner with your family, you sit on the sofa and you think to yourself, you know what, I'm really content in my life. Because there are people in my life that have that and they are so content. They don't want the, I want to be the best version of myself because that is their best version of themselves, right? Because all our perceptions are completely different. Contentment to them. And I'm like, like I've got a, a family member. He earns enough money every single year to take him, his missus, his kid away. You know, everything that he wants in his life, he's got himself a motorbike, he's got this, he's got that. He's got, and I say, are you content? And he's like, yeah, I am. He's never done personal development. He's never looked into Tony Robbins. He's never done any of this. So what makes his life different to my life? And don't get me wrong, he's had the similar life to I have with the drugs and the drinking, all that sort of stuff. So what makes us different? Well, what makes us different in my eyes, in my perception of it is, he's fully content because he knows what he wants. When he's got what he wants, he knows what he wants. And then sitting on the sofa to him is contentment. So that, for that reason, it could be good enough for a guy to sit on the sofa. Yes, if you want to be fit and healthy, realistically, you're not content inside your own mind. So therefore, you've got to make that step. But understanding what it really is to you, like have a look in all areas of your life. Have a look in your finances. Have a look at your family. Have a look at your health. Have a look at your mental state. Everything that you can imagine, your friends, your family, everything around you and say, what makes, what will make me content in this area of my life? And when you can start planning that, and that, that can be 10 minutes on a piece of paper. It could be a day in a piece of paper. But in that moment, if you're not content in your life and you don't want to stand up and say, right, this is what I'm going to do, then that's when I would challenge to say, look, you really don't want to fucking change. And if you don't want to change, you can't really sit there and say, I've got nothing in my life. I've got nothing. I've got this. I've got that. Because if you're saying that, there are so many things in the world that you can do to change it. And it could be as easy as putting a pen to paper just to understand what it is that you want. Do you see where I'm going? Do you see what I mean? I do. I'm going to challenge you on this one a little bit with the contentment. Because content, I think contentment could be a bit dangerous. Because I, I think there are some people who are genuinely content, i.e. happy. Yeah. Chasing happiness for me is always a bit of a weird one. Because the things that sometimes make me happy are not healthy for me. Or yeah, not necessarily good for me long term. But I know a few lads that would say they're content, but there's a there's an element of resignation there where they've accepted, oh, this is my lot. And the thing that worries me about contentment is that 20 years down the line, when you're on your deathbed, you're going to go, fuck. Yeah, I should have, you know what I mean? I, I should have done so much more. So it's it's a hard balance, mate, between yeah. like being one of those guys who's always striving for more and missing the good stuff that he's got versus the guy who's going to get to the end of his life and go, shit, I didn't make the most of it. Yeah, 100%. And that's and that's key. And I love the fact that you're challenging what I'm saying because these this is what makes conversations conversations, right? When you have a mutual respect for people, I'd say, if someone's got something to challenge me about, please challenge me because I love it because it means I'm learning too, right? And it means I can change my perception of things. And I love what you say. If somebody becomes content and they because they're settled in their life if they think well this is me i'm content because this is who i am and they're only settling and like you say they're going to have regrets when they're on the deathbed um how can they change that well for me it's like you'll you'll understand you climb mountains right so we don't look at the peak and say that's where we're going that's the end goal the 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 top of the mountain is the end goal we look at right let's focus on getting to this point 
then we'll focus on getting to this point, then we'll focus on getting to this point. So in your life, you can say, like if I said to you, what's contentment? And we looked at that as the put at the peak, actually, let's break it down and understand what I can do on the daily to change that. And once I'm on that journey, it's like it's like I'll, I'll use um another excuse me, another example about cars. When you're gonna bump start a car, right? When you start pushing that car, it's really, really difficult. When you move it from being immobile to start rolling, you have to put all your strength into it. And then once a car is actually rolling, you could probably push it with two fingers. And for me, it's about getting on that, taking that first step. What can I focus on? Right, let's focus on, say, happiness or contentment or anything or a goal. Like I'm um, I'm into Brian Main's goal mapping. You know, I'm a goal mapping coach. I'm a goal mapping facilitator. And I know that, the power of positive thinking in a goal can create opportunities if you're open to look for them. It's not all about walking through life going, oh, everything's great, everything's amazing, oh, I'm really positive, I'm really, is it fog? Positive thinking isn't by, with your head in the clouds. Positive thinking is, right, I'm in a shit situation, it's fucking horrible, I don't like being in it, but what can I take from this situation that's positive to get me through this situation? And I'm a firm believer that in most situations, you will be able to find a positive anchor to anchor onto to get you through. So where I'm going with this is let's get the wheels started. And how we get the wheels started is by everybody having different opinions, like your different opinions is you'll say one thing, I'll say another thing. So between the both of us, instead of me saying contentment and I only picking up a whole load of people, you then come in and say, well, I challenge you that. What about this? That means we're picking up double the amount of people. And if we get another guy to say something, we can start reaching more and more people. So this is why you're doing these fantastic shows like you're doing, because you're getting your guests on that have got complete different perceptions to what you have. And not none of us are wrong. It just means we're reaching a load more people that we probably wouldn't reach if we were doing it on our own. So I believe the, the people, the guys that have been involved in understanding our emotions and they've took that step that's vulnerable you've been courageous if we can all stand together like if you've got 10 blokes on a stage together and said right bang let's tell a story and you have 2,000 people in a room I might only relate to 200 people you might only relate to 200 people but when there's 10 of us on the stage I can guarantee that we could take over near enough all the audience so they'd go Actually, I can relate. I have no relation to what you're saying, Chris, but you know what? That other guy, I completely relate to him. So I want to be involved. And that's how we're going to do it is by joining and saying mountain climbs. One of us could do mountain climbs. One of us could do whether you have a workshop and you're fixing cars. If somebody's into fixing cars, they come in and they speak about their emotions. You know, if we could start broadening our options so everyone has more options than the less options, if that makes sense. But it's a lot harder than just going, right, let's start a new group. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's about meeting the right people. And obviously with the, the coronavirus now that's sort of jumbled the world around a bit, a lot more people are going to be in a dark situation where it's now time for us to go, actually, we've done this three years ago, five years ago, however long you've been in the industry, however long you've been inspiring men to speak out about their emotions, it's about going, right, now let's really put the work in. Because I believe that the lockdowns have just shone a light on what's always been there and just made it worse by because it's more public. Like I, I've got a firm belief that the same amount of people that are going through depression through lockdown have always have, but we've never really been aware of it. But now the government are promoting how much people are like depressed and how much mental health's been hit. And we're getting celebrities coming forward over the last five years. They're doing things for mental health because it's now more in the spotlight. 
more people are coming forward. Whereas they've always been there, if you know what I mean. So now if it's going to take what I would call a nine to five or a working class man to stand there and say, yeah, I've, I've suffered with it. It'll get into the working class pubs. It'll get into the working class environments. Whereas if you've got David Beckham that's going to step forward and say something like, yeah, you know what, I've been through mental health, he can use his social media. But that's not going to get into the working class environments that we want to really change, if you see what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love the analogy about the, the mountain climbing. What I think the mountain climbing really does, apart from the, you know, the, the physiology of being outside and it making you feel good, like you're right, there, there's a peak at the top and you you have these little steps then you you know you get point a point b point and eventually you you reach the peak but what it does for a guy is it gives them a purpose and and for that day for those few hours they go my only job is to get to the top of this mountain and back down like that's my purpose tunnel vision productive you know i'm not stopping on my phone i'm not got anything else to do and i think that overrides happiness for me because it's quite an open and vague goal isn't it? i'm going to chase happiness yeah. Whereas I'm going to get to the top of the mountain, for me, that, that's an objective, that's a mission. And and that gives me more reason to get out of bed than, than chasing happiness. I'm going to find happiness in my purpose, I believe. I think that's a good thing. But yeah, you're right. But what 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 I think is worrying is that like we are talking about it more. You're right, there's more people, you know, celebrities, but the stats are getting worse. Now, whether whether it would have took a dive down the other way if coronavirus hadn't have come, I'm not so sure. But I'm with you on this. I think it's just shone a light on what was already there. So I'm like, well, clearly talking isn't doing the job. It's, it's certainly not okay. slowing these rates down. So what will? For me, it's got to be more action-based. It's, it's got to be more action-based. And I think maybe we're at the time when this was a bit of a taboo subject a few years ago, this tough love perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of that. I relate well to it. And with the guys in my experience that I've worked with, they like a bit of that as well. I don't know what your thoughts on it are. Yeah, 100%. I believe I also I also agree with what you're saying. You know, um, I coach other people, right? And when I'm in my coaching, people say to me, you're a bit like a cutthroat coach. They say, you're quite direct. And I'm like, look, I can listen to your stories, your perceptions, or I can pick out exactly what you're trying to say and just go right and go for it. And that is a form of tough love, right? If someone comes at me and they say this, they say that, I say, is that really the truth or is that just something you're just trying to sugarcoat and all that shit? And unfortunately with me, you don't get the sugarcoat version. I'm not for everybody. I get that. But I've also got results where I'm quite, I know, I'll never put someone in a situation where I think they're mentally unable to handle what I'm going to say to them. I'll just go in and go, right, here we go. Let's have it. So when you're talking about tough love, I completely agree. Um, I just think, with the way the world is at the minute, and this is going to be a bit of a, you know, an oddball comment, but a lot of people get offended over a lot of things. Whereas I know when we were younger, we had tough love of you man up, man up, man up, and it's sort of, but now I believe we're at the completely other end of the scale, wherever people now feel if you say anything, they're like, oh, you can't say that. And I'm like, well, We've gave the we've gave the reins that much. We've gone from one end of the scale to the other end of the scale. Now we're trying to find the balance. Like, yes, don't go in with full tough love and be like, do this, you're a man, you're this, you're that, and put someone down to make them feel like shit. But then don't give them every opportunity or every excuse or every sort of way out that they don't have to face a bit of hard work. It's trying to find that middle ground. And so it's you're always going to need some tough love. There's always going to be, always going to get that, I believe. And I believe it works. And there's always going to be a one where you've got to give some people a bit of leniency because they've 
that's all they've ever had. Like there's there's probably a generation now that they're not like they used to be. And this isn't I'm not here to judge, I'm not here to like speak ill of any younger generations or any generations. I'm just trying to get the basics across that 50 years ago, 60, 70, 80 years ago, you know, young men would never have spoke about their emotions, never knew what mental health was, but the life that they lived was a tough life. Now we still have a tough life that's completely different, you know. They will, our minds, our minds were built millions of years ago, right? And the blokes, like when you said about a bloke having his, get to the top of the mountain because it's direct, they have a mission. We used to go out and hunt. A bloke's job was to go and hunt and the woman's job was to stay at home. That's why women are much better at nurturing than say we are. I know it's changing, but that's the basics of what it was. You say to a bloke, get the top of that mountain, they will find every will in their bodies and in their minds to get them to the top of that mountain because it's direct. You give them a direct a direct um, objective and they'll do it to the best of their knowledge, right? So I believe that some people with the mindset that they've got, like you said, about sitting on the sofa and just relaxing and just it's easy. And when you're in your comfort mindset, they'll get 75% of the mountain and just go, I can't do it. And instead of saying, I can't do it, they're going, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Physically, they feel they can't do it. But we both know when your body feels tired, you've still got more. You know, if you listen to David Goggins, he says things along the lines, when you when you feel like you're tired, you're only actually 40% tired. You've still got so much more. And it, I proved it with that, that run that I did. I never did any training. I did 14 days training when I did two marathons in two days. Every four hours, I ran four four miles and mate, that was crazy but my mindset got me through it because of the people and the stuff that I was ingesting at the time so for me to get blokes off the sofa and out into what we call pushing their limits we've got a we've got to put something in front of their face that's going to change that change their head direction it's got to be better than Netflix it's got to be better than staying at home you know and that for me is about how do we go forward so We've got the mountains. Some blokes are going, I'm never fucking going to, I'm never going to walk up a mountain. You've got no chance. So they might, what happens if there was an assault course or something? What happens if it was, like I said earlier, about building a car engine, going go-karting? You know, like something that's going to really attract guys' attention to then go, actually, I'll do that. And then once we get them to events or like if you did an all-guy event, most blokes probably wouldn't go. They would want to go, but trying to get them there, you probably have to drag them out. If you can get them there, and then do, and I don't want to say do manly things because, again, this day and age, I'm going to get someone to say that what I'm saying is wrong. But I mean, as in, like, you've got to attract what a guy's like to get them off the sofa, right? That's why when, we're, when most blokes go for a beer, because I think, oh, I was having a good laugh with the mates. But realistically, are you actually having a laugh? Is it still fun or are you trying to escape your reality? Yeah, and there's some arguments that, you know, I've heard this phrase that some of the best mentoring comes over a pint of beer, you know, in that non, you know, in that environment where it is quite laddish. And for guys to be vulnerable, I think they have to trust who they're around. And for me, a lot of trust comes behind the banter. So if I have banter with someone and take the piss out of someone, I like them. It means we're forming a bond. It's how lads form bonds. But this is being taken away now. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, we're encouraged to talk, but you can't say this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, we're not being encouraged to talk. We're being encouraged to, to to be told what to say, and I think this is where everything's getting skewed. With everything's getting mixed up, we like a bit of banter. I don't think there's anything wrong with lads being lads and having a beer and doing manly things, climbing, hunting, all that stuff. But I think you have to do that to get 
to the next level of opening up. I don't think you're just going to get a group of guys together and go, lads, we're going to go for a walk and talk about how we feel today. Because you're right, no, no fucking guy is going to turn up for that shit. They don't want that. But exactly. if we, you know, if they see that you are a lad and you're a normal guy and we form those bonds, then you're more likely to reach out and go, well, do you know what? This happened the other day and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a chat about it. Do you exactly. know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. I agree with exactly what you're saying. If it, and it's just finding that, it's finding the links between the two. Because obviously, like you say, when you've when you've gained trust with somebody, you can open up and speak to them. But if you've just, yeah. someone says, oh, let's fancy come to an event. It's going to be full of 50 men. We're going to talk about our emotions. I guarantee you 40 of them men are going to go, no fucking thanks. I'd rather go and have a partner or mate and not talk about nothing because they've done it for so long and it's like I used to. It's what we know. So if we could say, actually, you know what, why don't we all go to a football match? Why don't we all go to football match? If you want to have a couple of beers, have a couple of beers. And you know what? And then you just start mingling and like, I just believe that it's not spoken about as in getting people out there. You know, like if if a guy, a guy, a guy's like things simple. I believe that guys like stuff simple. They're not going to scroll the internet on how to find some people doing activities that are going to meet new people. They just want to see something and go, oh, I like the look of that. Let's have a go on it. You know what I mean? Whereas they don't want to be going, oh, right, okay, what are we going to look at? It might just be from my perception. And again, this is my perception. This is not to say any guys are all, we're all the same. But I know for a full fact, if something flashed up on my phone and it looked interesting, and it looked like I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I'll have a look at that. I'll go, I'm more likely going to go to that. Not realising that... <clears throat> It might be to talk about emotions and things like that. It's just the attractiveness of whatever flashes up on your phone. So if we can get up and down the country, events, groups, or activities, what people are interested to, I know like it, it would make things easier to get them in, but it's just having that network of people that are going to work together to do it. And I, over the last 18 months, I've probably lost a couple of contacts where we were going to do some of that because they've gone off, they've decided to go on a different journey and all this sort of stuff. Whereas I'm still very much want to get involved and think people want to go to mountains with me. I'll take a group of guys with a mountain. We can have a good laugh. If we talk about emotions, we talk about emotions. If we don't, we don't. But I can guarantee you they want to do it again because of how much fun it is. You know, there's that exactly idea when you're up, up there, you're in open spaces, you can see the views. For me, an open space is, an, is a clear mind. When I look out and I see absolutely great views, take wrong. Sometimes on a mountain, you don't see further than your nose, but sometimes you see some fantastic views. It makes you clear. And then once your mind is clear, that's when you can go, actually, yeah, I ain't feeling too good. But you know what? I can talk to this guy that I'm with. I'm about to climb out with him for four hours. So, you know, we're going to talk about everything and everything. So it's about how do we put these forward? And now the world is opening up again, I think, to get, if it's monthly events up and down the country, if it's if it's different events just to get people talking, just to get people out and just to get people to actually connect with others. It's more about the connection to start off with. Like, because because of the last 18 months, all we've heard on the news is social fucking distance. Don't go near people. Don't hook people. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, and all this. I don't watch the news. A lot of people do. A lot of people don't hug. A lot of people are still very much, you walk into Asda now and people are queuing. The queue looks like it's 10 mile long and there's only actually five people in the queue because of the social distancing rules, right? Whereas... We've been taught now for 18 months to disconnect from human connection. And you and I both know that human connection is a massive part of everything that we do in life. It's all about the vibes. Like I might go to a group of lads and they might be on a complete different vibe to me where I'm like, I can't handle this. That doesn't mean they're in the wrong. It just means we're vibing different. And that's how if there's more groups and more vibes, you will find 
your tribe of men without that sounding too corny and cheesy like with the word vibe and tribe but you know no 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 man i think you can improve your mental health without even talking so i think yeah you find a good group of guys you do cool shit together you have a laugh like you talk you talk if you don't but it's going to make you feel better if you're fit you're active you're healthy you're outside that's where we should be starting i think we know what to do i think we know the answers this is why my frustration a little bit lies in this whole pushing the mental health to just talk just talk i'm like well no, just get off your ass and get outside. Yeah. Yeah. Just meet some, you know, get involved in a group of guys who have got good intentions, who want to make the most out of life. And you will eventually start to be like that if you put yourself around them. Just like you'll start to be like the guys who bitch, moan and gossip. You know, if you want to be with those guys, hang around with them. Like you've got to pick yeah, who yeah. you want to spend your time with, man. And I think it can be as simple as that. I think we like to overcomplicate. Like you say, yeah. like those are simple, right? Like keep it fucking simple for us. Yeah, do everything we can to make it easy yeah definitely definitely i believe that and i think what you could do at home if you're sat home now thinking well i don't really know where i fit in i don't really know what's going to attract me like some some guys might sit there and think well right now i don't know what i want to do it all becomes to self-reflection if like for me i used to think well where do i want to go enough what do i want to do i used to start writing down the things i didn't want to do and then, right, so what don't you want to do? I don't want to do this, don't want to do that. And before you know it, that filters you into actually what you want to do. If you start removing, because obviously we've got so many options in our head, we're like, well, I don't know where to start. Start with what you don't want to do. And when you start with what you don't want to do, you'll then start leaving with the things that you do want to do. And then you'll start writing stuff that you think, oh, I want to do that, I want to do that. You might go back to it a day later and think, actually, I don't want to do that. And before you know it, you're funneling, funneling yourself down into the things that you want to do. And then you will find, I can guarantee you will find people that do the same thing. There's 7.8 billion people on the planet, right? You're not going to be the only person that wants to do one thing. I can guarantee you that. Whether it means it like mountain climbers. Yeah, I've got a mountain in my back garden I can go to. It means I've got to drive to uh, Northern England, Scotland or Wales. But you know what? If when you make a day trip of it and you meet a group of people there, you're all like-minded people. You don't have to go there and tell them how you're feeling. You're going there because you've all got the same, similar interests. And then once you start seeing these more, you start growing more friends, that's when it becomes more of a community. Like we... I heard someone speaking the other week about community saying it's getting thrown around quite a lot, which I agree with and I disagree with. It's good to have a community of people. Like I have people that I go hiking with that I have people that I don't go hiking with. I have people that I just go mingle, chill out with, you know, and that doesn't mean that I don't like these people. It means specific areas of my life. I have specific people, which is good because I have different options. So find out what it is you really want to do by not, by understanding what you don't want to do. Or if you know what you want to do, write it down and think, right, I want to do some hiking. If you're on social medias, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, follow the people that you, that the stuff that you want to do. If I, if you like hiking, follow me. If you like hiking, you follow Alex because they're going to be linked to other people. And then you're going to start having more and more people in your life doing the things that you want to do. If you don't like people that whinge all the fucking time, don't add them on Facebook because all they're doing is writing their statuses about whinging about life. Or if you don't want to speak to people about coronavirus, which is why I come off Facebook in the first place, because it was just full of one conversation. And I thought, I don't want to be part of that. So I came off it for a bit and I'm still off it because now I'm just enjoying myself and thinking, you know what, I've got this in my life. I like hiking. I'm going to follow everyone that likes hiking. I might never meet these people, but I get to see their pictures. I get to see where they've been. They tag themselves in places. It gives me ideas. I can go there and on the day you know that hiking, you can meet different people. So it's all about actually taking responsibility for yourself and saying, what is it that I want to do? What is it I want to do? 
Yeah, and the great Jeff Thompson said a similar thing. He's always like, well, look, nobody really wants to be overweight, do they? You know, no one wants to be out of shape. So that tells you what you want. You look at everything you don't want in your life and it will, as you say, funnel you through to like, well, look, I don't want to be out of shape. Then I want to be in shape, right? Well, how can I get in shape? And a little bit like food as well. You only know what foods you like when you try them. So like a lot of guys would never have been hiking. So try it. Try it once. You don't have to be a hiker. Just Go and do something. Try it. You might not like it. You might love it. You only find out what you love by tasting different foods. So simple as that. And that's where I love. That's the way when you make it so simple, it becomes a way of life. Because like you said, like food, it's a great analogy that you use. Try it. If you don't like it, what's the worst thing you do? You can spit it out of your mouth and go, I'm not eating that ever again. Sound. You've tried that, haven't you? But if you've, you can't sit at the end of a road and go, no, I'm not going to go down there. I might not like that road. But you might fucking love it. You might love it. It might be a dead end. Yeah, but it might not be a dead end. You know, if you don't know, if you sit there and you're trying to predict everything in your life, you're never going to move instead of going, actually, right, this is what I'm going to do. And it doesn't matter. I know we keep talking about hiking and that's because we've both got um, a common ground right now. Some people might be watching this saying they don't want to do hiking. That's fine. Find something that you do want to do and somebody else in the world will want to do it with you or will point you in the right direction. So it's the first step is to become aware of what's going on in your head. I believe men's mental health is sit down on a weekly basis, whether it's once a week, just sit down for half an hour and write down exactly what's going on in your head. Whether you get a notepad and write down exactly how you feel. And if it's, a, I have to say this, but if it's a safe environment, right, and you don't want anyone to read it, write it down in a piece of, piece of paper, go outside and burn it. That works. If it's all negative thoughts, you can burn it. And the, 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 when you burn a piece of paper with negative thoughts, obviously it's got to be safe. Don't set fire to your houses and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, um, go out there. And when you see it change form of energy, when you see it go from paper to smoke, it actually, in your mind, it believes that it's gone. Start writing down how you feel. Just set a time, the same time every week, a routine. Just If it's a Monday night at six o'clock, from six to half six, you're just going to go and sit on your own, write down how you're feeling, how your weekend's been, and you watch your life change. And you watch how much you become aware of everything that's going on in your life. It might take time. It's not something that happens overnight. You can't just wake up and go, fucking hell, I'm completely changed. And I have every thought that I'm thinking about. It's a process. But the process becomes a lot easier once you create it as a habit. And it's writing down on a piece of paper of how you feel and what it is you want to get out of that week or what it is you want to get out of your life or what new sport you want to try, a new hobby you want to do. There's no harm in doing that. There's no harm. It's just, and it could give you some ideas. And in three months, four months, five months time, you might be hiking. Like five years ago, if you said to me, do you want to go on hiking? I'd be like, no chance. I'm never climbing a mountain. I can't be asked. I've, I've climbed probably to the top of a summit probably nine times in the last three or four months now because I'm there every, every other week with different people. I never thought I'd be involved in that. But now I am. It's completely changed who I am and changed my life. And the people that I'm meeting around me are just on the same boat as me. So it all starts with, awareness and being consciously aware of everything that you want in your life and everything you're thinking about in your life and please just write it down on a piece of paper that's how easy and simple it can be what's next for you brother any cool adventures coming up so i just done nevis last weekend um and that was (laughs) not gonna i've been a bit under the weather for the last few weeks so that was quite hard i started climbing it you know even me i've got 50 percent of the way up and i was like no i'm I'm not doing it i'm going home but i did it so I've decided that I'm probably going to do Snowden maybe one or twice again this year because I love Snowden and there's a couple of routes yeah. I haven't done. Um, but next year I really want to get like I really want to get a load of people to do the David Goggins running in March 
you know so i want to try and focus on that and then there's a couple of other events like i do a lot of stuff for charity where i'll go and climb i want to try and climb seven mountains in 70 hours right and that's including traveling and they're not they're not the biggest tallest mountains they're just the seven most beautiful in the uk but they're in three different countries it's doable and i want to do that just to raise awareness and for me it's all about right right now i've got to stand up talk about what i'm doing not just talk about it but and actually fulfill it so it's about improving my social media getting up the following speaking to more people getting more people out of their house and back into what we call the real world, whether it's, you know, meet, meetings, meetups, whether it's mountain climbings, just to put myself out there again and see what works for me. So I haven't got a specific goal. My specific goal is always going to be hiking, always going to be climbing, always going to be things like adventures. If there's any any little adventures going on, I'm always up for that because I just love it. But for me, it's about just creating more content. It's about speaking to more people and just I'd love to get into schools and talk to the kids about their emotions, secondary schools. So anywhere between 11 and 16 and talk to them about my experiences, how I didn't understand my emotions and how if I could tell my younger self anything, it would be don't be so hard on yourself because I've beat myself up for so many years. And if I can give my experience to try and give them options to make make different choices, so be it. So that's where I'm at at the minute, really. Cool, mate. Thank you. That was brilliant. It was really cool to chat with you, man. I think yes. you're a, you're, you're a top guy, mate. And I think by doing what you're doing, I like your style. I like the fact you're trying to get guys moving. Personally, I think that's the way to go. I yeah. fully support what you're doing, and uh, yeah, it was a real pleasure to uh, to chat with you, man. So yeah, thanks for taking the time to do no it. Worries. Thank you very much, mate. You're uh, very welcome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks. See you later. <laughs>